Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 18 for Friday 17th September 2010. A world without email or blackberries? Well, hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Lotus. We're on to episode 18 now, so thank you very much for listening and subscribing. We appreciate your involvement in the podcast. Uh, we love your feedback, so please do leave us feedback, either as a rating on iTunes or via our website. We, we'd love to hear from you. Um, for this episode, of course, I'm joined by my, uh, by my co-host, Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Hello, Stuart. How are you? I am really good, thank you. I'm sorry we dropped you out of last week's episode. Nowhere near as sorry as me. I always have a lot to say. <laughs> Could you cope with being quiet for an entire week? Goodness <laughs> me. Um, no, but I, I, you know, I keep forgetting to do this. I'm going to do this at the front of the podcast for a change. So you just said about the iPod, the iTunes ratings. The first person to add an iTunes rating is going to get a Lotus Connections 2.5 book courtesy of IBM Press. Excellent. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that. You you keep an eye on the US store, and I'll keep an eye on the UK one, and hopefully we'll see we'll see a rating come in from somebody. And we can do we can do two. I've got I've got a couple of them, so we could do two. Excellent, tremendous. Well, um, I had Bill Buck in there with us in in El Alug to fill in with you, uh, fill in for your role. I actually haven't yet listened to it because uh, I've just been really busy. So um, it's actually on my iPod, and I just haven't charged my iPod back up to listen to it. So I hand on heart, I I. I I will confess I have not listened to 17 or 17A yet. Yeah, well, any listeners that haven't already listened to 17A, it's well worth a listen. A really good episode live from Analog. So on to this week. We've got a good few topics to discuss um, this week, not least North Star and, and the new IBM uh, customer experience suite. So we'll come on to that in a minute. Uh, with us to discuss that, we have a number of guests, as usual. We'll start with Bilal Jaffrey. Hi there, Bilal. Hey, how you doing? How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank good you. Morning. Thanks for joining us today. I know it's early where you are. It's always a pleasure. It's so, always so, a pleasure. Can Thank you tell us, Bilal? Obviously, you work for IBM. Can you tell us roughly what your role is? Yes, I've re- uh, I've had various roles over the couple of years, but recently um, I am leading worldwide social media and competitive marketing for IBM, specifically for developer works. Uh, from Lotus perspective, it's. Uh, I think it's a good thing because, I mean, uh, coming from Lotus, uh, the emphasis is going to be more on the Lotus development side of, th- development side of things. So it's, it's, uh, it's a good, exciting place to be. Absolutely. With the announcements yesterday, clear, there's a lot going on in that area. So that's great. Thank you for joining us today. And we also have Luis Suarez. Hi there, Luis. Hi, Stu. How's it going? It's going really well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. I know you've been on a few podcasts lately. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I have, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss that a little yeah, bit later it's been, on. It's been, right. It's been busy. It's been busy, but it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Okay. So thanks for having me here as well today. No problem. Do you want to, do you want to tell our listeners what your role is with IBM? Uh, yeah, I work as a social computing evangelist at IBM, helping or part of a team trying to uh, help evangelize um, my fellow colleagues uh, on social software used for business. So a little bit of, of a little bit of showing people how to use these social tools for business, basically. Wonderful. Okay, well, great to have you on today. Thanks for joining us. And lastly, we have John Mel from Headshift. Hi there, John. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm I'm really really good, thank you. Um and. Uh, can you tell us about Headshift and, and what your role is there and what your interests are? Yeah, so Headshift's a social software consultancy, um, and I look after the consulting team here based in London. Um, we're part of the Datchis group worldwide, um, uh, Jeffrey Datchis, who started Razorfish um, uh, over in the States. Um, and we focus um, primarily on social tools, so uh, we haven't come from a Lotus Domino background or anything like that. We focus first and foremost on social, so our interest in the Lotus platform is around connections and quicker. 
Tremendous. Okay, well, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate your involvement in the podcast. So, as I uh, intimated earlier on, our main topic of conversation today is the announcement that IBM made yesterday around its IBM Project North Star um, uh, sort of effort and what that means in terms of customer experience and, and web-facing commerce and, and everything that goes with it. So, um, perhaps Darren, can you um, outline for us, you know, your understanding of, of maybe North Star? And, and I think you discussed it on a previous podcast. Uh, yeah, when. Uh, you were wasted. We had on uh, one of the WebSphere portal product managers. Uh, it was right after Portal Excellence uh, 2010, which is, I think is where Northstar's quote-unquote vision was was officially announced. And you know, it looks. It, it, I think it's a hard thing to describe in in one sentence. But but what what I kind of get out of it is it's all about the customer experience and where the customer is. You, could, you should always be able to deliver the best experience. So if I'm on a BlackBerry, it should look very good. If I'm on a web page, it should look very good. And also that, that context is kind of, I guess context is king or context is key. One of, one of them two phrases I heard a lot, um, which, which allows me to, to, to interconnect with maybe whoever it is. And, and, and I think it's an interesting um, idea. What I'm not quite sure about is 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 what it is yet as as, as a as a quote unquote product, and I know we're going to be probably be told multiple times over the next six months it's not a product, it's a vision. Um, but I wonder what the differentiation is between a vision and a product, uh, and and where the two will eventually meet. So I'm I'm interested to find that out. Okay, and Bilal, should we move on to you? You obviously work in the marketing side, and, and at the moment this effort is most definitely very strongly in the marketing side of things. It doesn't seem to be too much in the way of technical information. Am I right in that? Or can you just outline what, what's your involvement, what's your understanding so far? Sure. Um, primarily, Northstar is a vision. So, and, you know, my understanding of the vision is that it's focused around the customer experience. So whether it be on, online or whether, whether it be offline, it should be integrated. It should be one experience that represents your brand in this digital era. Um, on the other hand, customer experience suite is a new software portfolio. So this is one part of that vision. So, you know, Northstar is basically the customer experience. And then within that, there is a new suite. This just part first out of the few uh, announcements that we will be making. And this customer experience suite is a new software portfolio. And that's designed to help companies in every industry, including finance, government, uh, insurance, healthcare, um, be able to pr provide a better experience. And the suite provides consumers with a dynamic web experience that's, you know, like Darren mentioned, that's easy to navigate, interactive, personalized, whether, it's, whether it be from a mobile device or through a traditional online website. And within that suite, you have different features. You have analytics, you have commerce, social networking, uh, mobile capabilities, enabling organizations to increase their ability to attract and more specifically retain customers. So you're, you're driving up, you know, conversion through that and you're enhancing the overall customer loyalty because you're making it harder for your competition to step in and, uh, and ruin that experience, so, so to speak. Um, the new software almost allows organizations to create a very customized and personalized interaction by analyzing and adapting to preferences behaviors, locations, and you know, within that profile, you also know what the products that customer owns, device, sentiments of each visitor kind of a thing. And additionally, the customer experience suite helps organizations better understand what the customer wants. And you know, by able to do that, you can easily influence uh, visitors through customized, more of an engaged experience. And then we have the social capability that comes in uh, using blogs, chat forums, videos, and obviously mobile, yeah. because that's really hot right now. Okay, so it seems like the key things to pull out of that then are mobile access, customized access for individuals, and, and social um, coming in. And, and clearly we've seen that with some of the uh, outstanding sort of web commerce sites that are already out there, things like Amazon and so on. Um, I mean, clearly you're on the social side of things, Luis. It, it, is it exciting to you to see IBM kind of bringing social into everything it does in terms of its web presence? It is, it is. And, you know, yesterday I put together a blog post where I was reflecting a little bit on, on how... 
I have got lots of very high expectations on how it would work out because I think that, you know, if you go out there on the web, there are plenty of horrifying web experiences. And, you know, one of some, some of those experiences where you just spend less than even a minute or two to hang around, uh, even when you need to buy a product or whatever else, or you want to engage with um, a potential vendor or whatever else, right? And, and one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is, is how... Uh, with experiences like you know what Northstar is supposed to be providing, people will have an opportunity to identify whether they want to engage further with that vendor or not, right? So you will have an opportunity to see how that relationship will work out, right? And the, in the interesting thing here is that, you know, when we got talking about lots of features and lots of capabilities and everything should be going social or whatever, I think that we haven't just, you know, passed the stage of the talk, right? I think uh, that one of the things that we, I'm going to be looking forward for Nonstar is actually see the action, see it in action and how it can improve my overall web experience. And I think that the concept of what, you know, some of the, of the speakers yesterday were mentioning, how mobile is going to be important? Um, absolutely, I think I think that it's going to be the the cutting edge towards whether I can take that user experience with me wherever I go, right? As opposed to being sitting in front of the computer. So the whole social aspect to me is going to be very important from the perspective of saying, you know, how engaging can you be as a vendor to your customers? And most importantly is how long will you be able to keep out the conversation with me as a customer, right? So I'm, I'm really having like lots of very high expectations as to how it's going to work because um, I think that, you know, when customers just start playing with it and start implementing and start working with that tool suite and everything else, uh, it's going to be reflected on how us as customers ourselves will be interacting with our services, right? Yeah. And, and I think that that's going to be very key. And I'm really looking forward, rather to praise it or to bitch about it. You know, <laughs> good stuff. And and John, what you you obviously work with a number of different um, vendors, you know, uh, in, in social space. Is do you see this as, as an area that IBM are sort of stepping ahead of the game in? Is is that something that you can tell from the vision statement so far, or is it still too early to to be able to make that sort of statement? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really, you know, from a vision statement, it's hard to sort of uh, to, to, to really get down in the detail to, to answer that. But I think where they really are, you know, the interesting thing to me is around the analytics side of things. Um, as sort of Lewis was saying, once you add the social element to it, um, the analytics starts getting really, really interesting. I mean, Amazon have done for a long time analytics based on an individual user. But once then you start to look at a, you know, take social into the equation, you kind of get to make much more interesting decisions around analyzing a social network and saying, well, what, what can we infer about an individual based on um, their networks interactions um, on, a, on a site as well? And I think the, the one thing that IBM has over and above the other vendors in this space, you know, you, you, you can argue that pros and cons to the individual you know, products around connections or whatever. But when you start to take the whole portfolio into account and they can start to bring in you know, some of the stuff from the SPSS acquisition, some of the stuff they've already got in their data mining um, capabilities um, and, and bring that to the social space, um, then that starts to look really, really interesting because there are capabilities there which other organizations are going to struggle to match. Excellent. And and so we appear to have two different things going on here. And Bill, you explained that quite well earlier on, is we have the today, which is that we have a customer experience suite, which is, as far as I understand, an IBM product you can order off the shelves today. It was announced at the end of August. And then we have the, the visionary piece, just like we have Project Vulcan in the Lotus space, which is talking about um, you know what's going to happen over the next 6, 12, 24 months. So if we drill down into the customer experience suite, that appears to be portal plus some other stuff can you talk through what's in that sure um <laughs> it's, it's very interesting because um tip i mean the exterior uh, the customer experience suite itself is basically four main parts you got yourself a core offering you got yourself some optional add-ons then you have some templates that can go across different industries and and obviously some services added on top of it and let me let me explain first the core offerings. So the customer experience core offerings include um, the web content management. We're looking at web portal itself, social software, 
personalization based on the analytics, marketing search tools. We're also looking at um, and analytics being main part of the core offering. And, you know, by, by having that included, it also has real-time messaging in there. It supports smartphones, uh, rich media, mashups, and uh, offers, I mean, specifically what I've been told is a rich internet interface tooling system. And the core includes the new Lotus Web Content Management version 7. It also includes the IBM WebSphere Portal 7 software, which are now also available with the suite and separately as well. Okay. Um, in terms of added optional uh, added options um, that can be added on top of it, that's where we see the interesting analytics come in together. I think, Bilal, you're doing a great job of explaining this. As, as you mentioned here, we, we've asked some members of the North Star team to come on the call. Uh, they couldn't make it this morning, so we're going to get them on next week to explain in a little bit more detail. But Bilal, doing a cracking job of, of explaining it. I, I've had a look through the announcement letter, and it looks to be very comprehensive in terms of what's included. I guess the question as ever with, with IBM announcements is, um, you know, what happens in terms of the integration between those products? Are they just standalone products that the customer has to integrate, or is there something more sort of cohesive about it? Um, Darren, have you had much involvement in these kind of portal packages in the past, or is that something that STS stays away from at the moment? Um, we've <clears throat> we've been around Portal for quite a while, probably since about I think version four, maybe version five. Um, we don't do a lot in the Portal space; it's usually integration back, back, back with Domino. But you, you look at the, you know, when we when we had the first call a few weeks ago about about Northstar, I went out and did a lot of research. And if you go to the IBM Northstar site, there's a couple of quote-unquote custom examples. I think Luft, Lufthansa is one. Um, I think LA County, who is uh, pretty big in the United States, that's one of the bigger counties over in Los Angeles, is is out there. And then Boston Medical. I think if you look at the at, at the at the screenshots out there, um, if if this is kind of what's come and packaged out of the box, I think it's actually pretty pretty neat. And I think the analytics needs to be uh, you know brought to the fore because. You know, Google's proved that if you can collect enough information about the people coming to your site, you can eventually target content at them. In Google's case, I think the content is ads because that's how they make money. But let's say I'm someone like a, um, let's take Lufthansa as an example. One of the examples out on, on, on the site. You know, if, if I can track to see where my frequent flyer people are going, then maybe I can better tailor my web experience to them. And if I find out that all of them are coming across on mobile devices, then maybe I'm going to throw a lot of money in, 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 in redeveloping the mobile side of it. So I think the analytics actually plays quite a big big role in this, and, and I think it's been underplayed. I hear it a lot, but I don't see anyone explaining what the word analytics is about, about why we can use this. But I, I think it's all good stuff. Excellent. And I can reiterate, there's an awful number of, of really good references on there with some with some good videos and so on. It's all on Project Northstar um, site, and it talks about business drivers and vision and so on. And, and so this was all announced yesterday at an event in New York, which a good number of people attended, and there were a huge number of tweets that came from that. One of the things I, I think has been quite exciting about this is the way IBM has sort of packaged up the social side of the event in terms of there's a site called Reinventing Relationships. Um, Bilal, it, it, I'm not sure if you had anything to do with this, but it's certainly something that seems very exciting in terms of some of the other events IBM runs, like Lotusphere, in terms of how they pull together tweets, blogs, video, live stream, and so on, all in the one site? Absolutely. Uh, what you're referring to internally, what we call it, is a social media aggregator. It's the hottest thing within the IBM world <laughs> in terms of how we what, how we plan to integrate social into our events. And I think you'll see a version of it um, for Lotusphere as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very confident that we, we will have something for Lotusphere um, in addition to other community projects that come across. And so um, during that time, great. And, and so, you know, the advice was to tweet with IBM experience as, as the hashtag. Um, was anybody watching those tweets yesterday, seeing what the feedback was like? I was. I had, you know, I had yeah, one I, of those days where you know you're kind of like extinguishing fires and everything else. So I didn't have much time to uh, live into it, go into it live. So I actually caught, caught up through the social media aggregator with the IBM experience tag on what people were saying. And there were some really good uh, notes that people took from the various different events. And, and especially what I found interesting from the whole experience was that, you know, the combination of everything that was happening around with, you know, blogs and, and the tweets and then the live streaming 
all together in one single browser was just terrific. It's as engaging as it can be, even though if, if, no, if you're live, that's fine. But if you're not of if you're not on or live when the event happens and you need to catch up offline as, at, at your own pace or whatever else, it was a good thing to go through the entire history of what happened during the course of the event itself. And I had a blast. You know, I put the blog post after I went through all of the different tweets and the live feed, the, the, the video feed and everything else, and it was terrific. Yeah. It was really nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing as well for Lottosphere because Lottosphere was a bit like, you know, it's, it's a, bit of, a bit messy, right? There are lots of things happening and you don't know exactly where to go to. So something like this for Lottosphere, I think they could work terrific. Yeah, and I think with with Lotosphere, it's been very much community driven up till now. You know, we've had the Lotosphere um, sort of you know retweeting mechanism and so on. I, I think the nice thing about this is IBM actually taking control and saying we're going to do this to the best of our ability. Yeah, I was going to say I, I completely agree. I mean, it's really good to see um, you know uh, organisations like IBM really take user experience seriously. Um, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know. It, to some degree, um, you know, the software doesn't have much of an impact. I mean, I can create a, a highly usable website in WebSphere or Domino, or I can create a um, unusable website in in WebSphere and Domino. It's <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's it's not the technology <laughs> that makes that that happen. It's the it's the templates that come out. You know, so, so the fact that they're including templates and you know to give the experience that you're kind of seeing on the screenshots is is great. And I think just one more point on the on the analytics front. I think. What, what this will do, hopefully, is that it will allow you to go, you know, much further beyond the whole kind of, if, you know, if I see that lots of sites are coming from mobile, then I should, I should stream it more to mobile. But to actually sort to, 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 to dynamically filter um, what content users see, not just based on their preferences, but based on what their network is doing. Um, and, you know, you're saying that you, you can get stuff as long as you get, gather enough data about people, but by extending that out to a, to a, a social network, you're dramatically increasing the number of nodes um, where you can extrapolate data from and, and, and create a much more relevant experience for you. Um, so where you're actually, your, your social network itself is doing the filtering and the, and the personalization of the content for you without you having to explicitly state anything, um, you know, combined with a, with a user experience um, should be incredibly powerful. And what I found quite interesting about yesterday is, is that there wasn't actually very much that was concrete in terms of the announcement. They didn't do it, as far as I'm aware, any significant demos or any significant product information. It was all about kind of, um, you know, creating the, the environment where they could talk about, you know, really great web experience. And, and the guests they had in terms of that uh, in the event were, were very much to discuss and to outline and to kind of get people into the mindset where they were willing to, to talk about this kind of thing. And, and then the way that they did that with the hashtags and everything else meant that it got a massive amount of coverage, as far as I'm aware, yesterday, in a way that IBM announcements don't tend to. And it seems like IBM has learned a lot in terms of doing this event, in terms of how to, to get a little bit of that mindset that, that, or mindshare they're not really used to getting around their announcements. Darren, did, did, would, you, would you say that? I would. And if you look at the Reinventing Relationships website, which is, you know, IBM need to learn about tiny URL. <laughs> um, but if you, if you look at that, it actually is a very nice, polished we website. And I don't know if this is North Star. I'm not sure if it is or isn't because no one's ever seen it yet. Um, but if this is kind of a, a snippet of the, of, the, of the future, then it really does look kind of polished and it's very non-IBM. And by that, I mean they usually stuff as much text as possible into a single page. And I think this is very intriguing where we've got live tweet streams, uh, featured videos, live streaming, and I think this may well be the next iteration from the original Lotus Nose campaign where, you know, I think there was a lot of take-up on that where my understanding is there wasn't a lot of marketing dollars around Lotus Nose. So we just said, okay, let's try and get the bloggers involved and then I'll go from there. And I think the hashtag Lotus Nose really exploded that out and then they built that really nice website that had the spinning globe. And this looks like the next iteration of that where we went back to the drawing board. And said, okay, what else can we add in there? And I actually like it. I think it's a very nice, nice, nice website. You know, it, it's interesting because um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna mention on that as well. One, one single key point that I think is very important for me, and and, and especially on how I have been able to have conversations after the event has taken place and everything else, which is, you know, as much as uh, the learning experience, the way I say, from you know being an insider as well, is the situation where, for once, we have a stock talking about products and give technical overviews and features and whatever else 
and we're just focusing on the conversation, on getting people to talk about those customer stories, about how they, that experience can be improved and how it will be improved. And, and, and opening it up to that kind of conversation as opposed to that typical uh, marketing pitch on features and, 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 you know, this is what the tool looks like with all of the technical stuff that it's pretty boring because you can't find it on any website. You know, you can go ahead and do it. And then transitioning into that, opening up the conversation and be able to listen and engage, I think that's a huge step forward. That's, that's what I find very exciting about the social media aggregator for sure. I think that's a really well, interesting the key word, the key, Go on, John. I was going to say the key word is experience, isn't it? I mean, it, it's not focusing on yeah. here is a part number, here is a product, these are the features and functions, and it runs on this operating system. You know, the, 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 the clue is in the title experience, and, it, and it's great to see that focus. One point I, will, I would like to make again and again is that, you know, I think um, the, the social media aggregator that you guys see a lot, um, you know, starting from our, what our event impact and then we used it for IBM uh, for the launch of this uh, product suite you'll see that more uh, integrated into our offerings from now on but this is still not the North Star it is still not the suite suite is a lot better actually uh, <laughs> and I want to make that I want to emphasize that because of the fact that it's it's a lot better I've, I've uh, seen the strategy DAX I've, I've seen um, the product itself is available right now so you know um, our sales guys can give you the demo and in addition, you know, the reason why you're, why you're looking at conversations now as a marketing medium is because, because we are actually going after a large and a very new emerging market opportunity here for web experience. Rather than customers having to stitch together everything together, we're providing a core foundation for our customers to start with. And then on top of that, we can, there are modular options that can be added. So it's a bit of a different uh, positioning as well, if, if you might notice. And I think that's where, you know, it gets very exciting. So, okay, to, to be controversial for a moment, um, as an IBM partner, it, it's sometimes hard to see IBM as offering an exceptional web experience, particularly through Passport Advantage and Partner World. <laughs> um, I guess the, the question I'm, I'm going to come on to now, and, and Volker Weber brought it up on his blog yesterday, is do you think IBM needs to demonstrate exceptional web experience themselves <laughs> in terms of then encouraging other people to follow that example? Or do you think we can separate out the product it sells and the product that customers use to create their own experience from its own you know, drinking of the champagne, if you like? Anybody got a feeling on that? Go right. On. But I, I tell you what, I think, that, I think that, that one of the things that North Star is going to do is going to raise the bar for IBM to be expected to do that. Right. Up to now, we probably didn't have that choice. And believe me, I'm one of those people as well that sometimes go to IBM websites and I go like, like what the heck is this? Like, excuse me, and and I think that the whole the whole thing with with Northstar, and I was actually part of some of the conversations that were happening behind the firewall, where people were saying, okay, now we do have something to look up to when we browse our own IBM websites, because some of them are not perhaps the most user friendly, or the most uh, of, of the best experiences that you can have. So I think that one of the things that Northstar is going to introduce as part of that vision um, is is how IBM needs to keep up to improve that overall web experience, especially for people who are outside, you know, who are looking for information, who are looking for contacts, who are looking for the experts, who are looking just for what they need at that point, right? And, and I agree with you, Stu, that sometimes that experience is not the best there is. Uh, believe me, um, we feel that every day. <laughs> but I think, I think that what Northstar is going to do is going to raise the bar and tell IBM, you know, if you're going to be wanting customers to improve their experience, you will have to drink your own champagne and start doing the same thing. I, I think you're Ooh. right. I think that needs to happen. Okay, um, let's, let's move on then away from North Star. Hopefully uh, the guys on the call can hear okay. It's just dropping in that a little bit, but we're okay for now. Um, so it, it's been a, a, quote, a bad week for the competition, according to a few blog posts. Um, I'm guilty of one of those on their Lotus Live blog. I know Ed Brill has also blogged about um, a few things, about Gmail privacy issues. Um, I think a Gmail employee or Google employee looked at some email he shouldn't have done. There's an exchange vulnerability. There's also been some outages on the BPOS side of Microsoft's cloud offering. Um, so I, I guess the question is, should we be gloating about this and saying IBM's above this? You know, uh, IBM isn't suffering from these issues. Therefore, it's a reason to go with IBM software. And, and I guess following on from that, do you think it really makes a significant difference to the organizations and the customers that use these services or these products 
Um, do you think it will cause them to, to move away for, from those products? Do you think it would actually put the question mark in their mind as to whether they've made the right strategic decision? Darren, do you want to jump into that? Do you think it makes a difference? Does it make a difference? Probably not, because by the time you move, the investment has already been made. Um, now, I think if it happens enough, would a CIO or a CFO look at the numbers and say, okay, what's it going to cost me to get back out of the scenarios? Now, a caution to IBM Lotus and Lotus Live is, uh, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. It's only a matter of time before they have an outage. And not to kind of poke a stick at this, but there's several times I've went to a Lotus Live meeting and the Lotus Live servers have been down. So, you know, this is not tied specifically to Google or Exchange or BPOS. It's just a fact of a cloud. It's a fact of any computer system. They all crash at some point. Uh, and, and I think pointing it out is maybe asking to be hit with a big stick when it's your turn to be the whipping boy. Now, the security ramifications, which is the other side of this coin this week, um, is, is I, 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 at, at some point somebody has trusted access to pretty much all of the data. Now, this is where the whole cloud thing falls down because I have no control as an organization about who I trust to be able to see that data. Now, IBM, I saw Ed post about this and someone had posted, well, yeah, you do encryption, but what about ID Vault? And, and I think ID Vault is a place where if I have sufficient access rights, I can go and extract an ID and read people's emails. So I think they all suffer from... The, the trusted person going in and sniffing around. I think, however, the cloud versions of these systems make that a lot more anonymous and it's a lot harder for me as an organization to, 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 to control that. And I think that's going to be where the ramifications come over time is what, what can I do as an organization to protect my own cloud data when really I don't know where the data is. I have no access to the data center and I have no idea what these technicians are doing in the system. And one of the things I think Google are going to have to address long term is the, the, these support technicians that apparently are, are poking around in the systems all hours of the day trying to fix stuff. They need to put some mechanisms to track these guys around. Otherwise, Google are never going to get beyond the consumer space. <laughs> it, 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 from my perspective, and you know, um, I've been at a startup, uh, had my own startup back in the days, and now you know at IBM, and that's where the difference is, right? I mean, if you're in a startup culture, yes, it allows you to be very agile, it allows you to do a lot of things, experiment. But at the same time, you know, I, I can tell you that if Bilal wanted to get into his own ID, I can't do that, right? So uh, the organizational culture and the structure makes a big difference, and IBM here is an advantage because of that because we do have a lot of military clients as well so we have certain processes in place that allow our customers to at least be a little bit more confident as, as opposed to our competition and that's just not the marketing guy talking <laughs> <laughs> good news and, and john you, you know, you've been involved i guess in, in quite a lot of cloud-based social tools and, and been looking at what the opposition is doing in that area do, do you think that's something that, that comes across in the way they market or, or detail their own solutions do you think people are starting to to ask questions of them in terms of how they deal with privacy and admin and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, do. I mean, I mean, first of all, I completely agree with, with Darren. It, you know, it's only a matter of time. Um, and, and if you, the more you shout about this, the more you're going to get hit when it, when it gets to become your turn. So I wouldn't be necessarily gloating about it um, too much. Um, but I think um, it all comes to, you know, the definition of cloud becomes, it, it's, it's not a binary thing, right? It's not either on-premise or it's cloud. Um, there are kind of lots of kind of gray areas. So, for example, we worked with one organization um, that said, look, I'd like Headshift to host this outside my environment um, because I don't want our IT guys to know we're doing this. Um, just make sure you follow our IT security protocols and I think we'll be okay. So that's on premise because we're hosting and looking after it. But as far as they're concerned, it's cloud, right? Because it's outside their firewall. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more of these kind of halfway houses. Um, you know, we see some um, vendors offering um, hosting bundled with their software license, for example. And they say, don't worry about it. We'll host it. We'll look after it. We'll use XAML to, um, to get through, uh, to do, do integration at the, at the back end. And, you know, we'll, we'll host it on our, on our, in our hosting infrastructure. Now, you know, it's kind of, it's not true cloud in the sense that it's on Amazon or it's on Google. Um, and it's not fully SaaS, but, you know, so it's kind of, I, I don't necessarily buy this, 
it's either on-premise and you know exactly what's going on, or it's in cloud and it's completely untrusted. I, I, I think there are shades of gray in between. But I do think that flexibility is important, right? So the, the key is being able to match what you're offering to what your client's appetite for risk is and how, how much they need to be able to kick the server and switch the power off if they, and take the disk out if they want to versus the cost and admin savings that come with delegating that out. Yeah, and, and, and I, I agree to an extent, uh, uh, but companies should not have to dictate, do I want cheap or do I want secure? They should be able to have both. I agree entirely. I mean, I don't, I don't you know, but there are, sometimes there are, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, cloud is not necessarily a cheaper option. Yeah, and on-premise is not necessarily more secure. I guess it, it's, it's yeah, a whole world of degrees, right. isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, the other thing I'd just say on that is there is this kind of um, human psychology thing where, you know, sort of 10 mistakes by an in-house person is better than one mistake by um, someone happening in the cloud. It's always worse if it's been caused by something outside of your control. Um, it's, you know, it's why cars don't drive themselves automatically, right? Because as soon as there's uh, an accident involving an automated thing that's outside of your control, um, as, as humans, we kind of get much more upset by that than if it was something within our control. So I think that applies kind of here as well in that, you know, if, if your internal sysadmin guy screws something up, you've got someone to, to shout and yell at, whereas if it's some anonymous, um, someone in the cloud, it's kind of, it kind of exacerbates the, um, the impact of the mistake. And, and that's, that's a, a, a phenomenal point, to be quite honest, because if, if, if I'm in-house, I can shout at or fire the person responsible. Yeah. If I'm on the cloud, I've got to spend nothing small of a nothing short of a small fortune to walk with my pocket, with, with my wallet. So the only thing I can do on the cloud is, is is change where I do business. But that's difficult at best, if not impossible at worst. So I just think people need to take into account. And, and I don't think Google is going to be the only one that gets hit by these security flaws. I wouldn't be surprised if in all organisations there's somebody snooping around. We all know there is. Um, you know, it's just it's a lot more public and I have access to a lot more information if I happen to be a Google employee given Google chat and Google mail access. The same also is true for BPOS and the same is also true for Lotus Live. But the controls have to be put in place and they have to be improved. And right now, Google has zero controls because they still think like a, a perf the world is a perfect place, the sky is blue, the birds are singing. And it's not like that out in the dirty world, wide world, you know. They, they didn't obviously learn their lesson from the Chinese hack attack, they need to go back and they need to look at security and they need to stop playing in a game unless they can play the game correctly and right now they can't. I guess it's about vested interests as well in that there's a, a good number of people, whether it's people who want to protect their own on-premise investment or other vendors who are interested in, in you know, announcing and making these issues as big as they can in terms of protecting their investment whereas you know where we are with on-premises there isn't that same microscope on, on those kind of issues and and I, one of you brought up that you know IBM will get hit by this at some stage and and there is a vulnerability that's been announced this week with iNotes which um, Tom Duff blogged about I, I think it's already been fixed in 852 although it's not particularly clear at the moment Darren do you have a feel on this have you followed that one? Yeah, it is. It is fixed in eight five two. It's it's in the tech note. It'll be in the show notes. I think eight five two fixes it. Eight five one fix pack two fixes it, and eight five eight or two fix pack five. I think if it releases, check the show notes. I think that's what it is. Um, you know, it's not unknown for iNotes to have vulnerabilities, and I'm going to echo Marie Scott's feelings on this very podcast a few weeks ago. Is that the iNotes fixes are separate to the Lotus Notes and Lotus Domino fixes? Uh, and I think this is confusing. It's confusing for me because I always forget. I always forget to go and check for the iNotes fixes when I'm doing an upgrade because we're in a completely different pit part of Fix Central. Um, and, and so I think these get missed a lot. That the, 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 there's a lot of fixes, a lot of enhancements for iNotes that happen to be separate to notes and domino fixes on Fix Central. So please, listeners, go check them. Go download what you need. And also, you know, start subscribing to the Secunia and the MWR. And I think Tipping Point was the guys that made this one famous. Uh, start subscribing to their, their, their notices on, on Domino and you'll find these out pre pretty quick. Um, and IBM are usually pretty good on, on, the, on the vulnerabilities of getting the SPRs turned around and the fixes out. And if a fix is not in goal code or a fix pack, I would at least PMR it and see if there's a, a support-only fix that you can get hold of. But these, this one has been fixed and it was... Uh, fixed, I think, the same day the vulnerability came out. 
Excellent, which is what you'd want, so, so that's tremendous. Um, okay, moving on again, um, one of the uh, guests on our podcast this week has become a little bit of a celebrity around the web, um, and, and, and it goes back to, I guess, one of the reasons I, I want to start this podcast, and Darren and I did start it about four months ago, is the Twit Network, um, which is Leo Laporte out in the States, um, has been running a network now for three or four years um, with the Twit podcast and Net at Night and Matt Break Weekly and you know Windows Weekly and all those other podcasts and really building up a very big audience for podcasted um, content and, and webcasted content now as well. And one of his shows is Net at Night. And Luis, I think you were on that show uh, last week? Yeah, I was there last week. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> so, so why did they invite you on the call? Uh, it was funny because, uh, you know, the, the, previous, the previous Friday, um, just as I was starting my weekend and everything else, and I have got this rule that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not very social online over the weekends. You know, I'm, I'm prepared to be social offline. But so on Friday evening when I was gone already, um, um, Amy, Amy May Elliott uh, from Mashable decided to go and publish this uh, interview that uh, she did uh, on me on living a world without email. And then obviously you can imagine what happened over the weekend where they had this huge buzz and people, everyone talking about it and everything else. And when I came on Monday, I saw that, gosh, that, what's going on here? Like, it's all gone now. <laughs> no, it, seriously, the buzz was tremendous. And what happened from there is that uh, Amber Mac, Amber MacArthur, uh, read the article and uh, she sent me a Twitter message, um, you know, would you be on the show or would you like to be on the show? And I thought like, hang on, uh, this cannot be happening, the tweet show. So yeah, they're net at night. And I go like, what? I said like, gosh, that's one of my all-time favorite shows. I cannot, be that I cannot believe that I'm going to be featured on the show that I have been following for years myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I said like, yeah, well, you know, I cannot say no to that, can I? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the thing obviously was at 10, 10 o'clock in the evening. So I was, I was, it was remarkable how sharp I looked like that time of the evening. I probably should have started working in the evening as opposed to in the mornings. <laughs> Um, and it was great. I had a great fun. And, you know, it was it was interesting to share an experience of, of you know, what I have been doing now for the last two and a half years and um, still having a go at it. Absolutely. So, so the Mashable article was all about um, a world without email, which I know is, is, you know, your sort of campaign over the last, what is it now, three years you've been doing this? About trying to cut down. Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Uh, about the, you know, cutting down the amount of email you have to deal with, trying to use social tools to replace that. So is it worth for this audience just, just going over, you know, what's the progress of this? What have you got down to in terms of number of emails? And are you looking to carry this on over the next few years? Yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I keep saying that I have seen the light. There's no way back for me to go and to use email again as I used to before I started this experiment. Is is, uh, you know, one of the things that I mentioned on the article as well as on the podcast was uh, now I have got a good sense of what my productivity is like. Before I didn't, right? So that to me is the biggest gain from the whole thing. And um, one of the interesting things that has happened is that it has allowed me as well to generate a whole bunch of content and, and information where I'm no longer the bottleneck. It's all out there. You know, so when I'm not there, people still can enjoy that knowledge. Whereas before, they had to go through my inbox. And if I was there, fine. But if I was not there for whatever the reason, then you know, I was the bottleneck in a way, right? So I went, I went you know, as a quick recap from the, from the actual statistics that I have been up for the last uh, two and a half years, I went from the 30, 40 initial emails that I used to get on a daily basis, which I know for most people is not, you know, good large number, since I, I, I know people who get 100, 150, and then it's probably, you know, unmanageable already. But um, at the time before I started, it was 30 to 40 emails, and now it's, I'm averaging 17 a week. Um, and that was 30, 40 a day, and now I'm doing 17 a week. So the, the, the progress has been substantial. And one of the interesting things that has allowed me to do is it has allowed me to prove what I do for work, which is basically walk the talk and tell people, you know, you can use social software tools for business tools, for, as business tools, right? So it is not like this is a nice suite on top of what else you have to do. This is a nice suite after the two, three hours that you spend every day on email, after you do your meetings. I say, no, no, this is where my work happens nowadays. That was part of the experience that, you know, we're trying to put together on that interview with Mashable and as well on the podcast of how people have an opportunity to, to uh, still get the job done without being dragged by email, so to speak. I uh, just wanted to say that I actually owe Lewis a, a lot, actually, because um, when I first saw what he was doing, and it was about two, two and a half years ago, I blogged about uh, this crazy guy who was giving up email. 
and did a little, quick look at the, um, some of his analysis and his statistics on his blog. And we ended up doing a podcast together, and that's, uh, that's actually how I kind of uh, got into this whole career. So uh, uh, if it wasn't for Louis' experiment, I doubt I'd, uh, I doubt I'd be talking to you now. So I just wanted to just say thank you to Louis. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> that what you did, Louis. If you, you just told to go away, it would have been, you know, the world would have been a much, uh, much nicer place. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, so, this is Bilal. I, I got to tell you, a couple of years ago, I when I first connected with Lewis, I sent him an email asking him about social. He actually pinged me back. And that's when I realized this man will not reply to an email. <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's what I do. Me back you know. too. <laughs> that's, what, that's how he changes culture. And, and I have to say I that, that that reflects on me too. I mean, I, I, several times I've contacted Luis about you know, you know several things, and I am just so conscious I must not send that email to Luis. I will get so much <laughs> flack back if I do. Darren, I think you had a question. Obviously, you are an IBMer. You have a multitude of different social tools to work with. Same time mm-hmm. connections, quicker ticket pick. Um, right. A, what do you use on a daily basis? to forego the, the crack cocaine as an email? And B, someone that wasn't inside of IBM, how would they maybe go around this? Uh, you mean how they would contact me outside IBM? No, no. How, how, so inside of IBM, you have all of these tools that are available to you as, as partners right. as well for, for no cost. If I'm an right. external person and I've just heard this podcast and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to give up email, how would someone who isn't an IBM or an IBM business partner maybe use the free oh, tools right. that are available today to do this? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know you mean. Right, to the first question, um, you know, uh, 10 years ago, I keep saying this, that 10 years ago I was probably, you know, in the position where I was privileged to have access to all of the technology that the company provides. Um, but obviously, you know, 10 years later, there's so many options out there there's so many opportunities to actually um, use whatever the actual social software tool to get the job done that um, it's, it's kind of like silly not to think that you need to have probably a better uh, knowledge sharing and, communica- and communication collaboration and strategy with using these tools, right? So, for instance, I, from my internal work, which is where I have given out that corporate email, uh, the main tool that drives that kind of interaction is connections, right? Connections on the same time. Those are probably the two main ones that I use. At the same time, obviously, for the real-time contact and the uh, connections uh, suite onto whatever the kind of interaction, whether it's blog, wikis, or whatever else, right? So to me, it's a, it's a situation of saying, you know, build up a collaboration tool suite. So I have got like three to five tools that I use quite heavily. Uh, connections on the same time are two of them. I rely extensively on Twitter, especially to the outside world. Uh, I rely as well on, on on virtual meeting software, right, for the real, true, collaborative, real-time and, and environment as well. And and from that perspective, you know, uh, from the perspective of say, uh, you know, what what customers can do if they're listening to to this uh, podcast and they want to, you know, get started with things and whatever else. Uh, the first thing that you probably need to do is you need to evaluate how much you use email, uh, because we are at the point where people don't are not really conscious about how much they rely on email till they actually study it. So one of the things that I did at the beginning was to study my own inbox on the kinds of interactions that I was doing. Right? So I was able to separate different kinds of activities. So I was able to separate you know, news, net, newsletters and announcements. I was able to separate um, questions and answers, uh, project reports or status reports and everything else. And for what I did was for each and every one of those different interactions, I picked up a social software tool to use. Right? So for instance, when I have Q&A and someone asks me a question, I use microblogging, right? Uh, now, in this case, <clears throat> typically I would use connections for the internal microblogging, but when someone asks me outside a question, it comes most of the time through Twitter, <clears throat> and that's basically what I use with Twitter. Um, for the example where I need to elaborate more documentation and, and get more information and everything else, I actually use my blog, right? My blog is my personal presence on the web, both internal and external. It's my voice. It's what people get to hear. It's what people get to read and, and get to know about me, right? So most of the times what I do is I share insights there on what's happening or things that I bump into or links that I bump into or announcements like just for North Star, for instance. And I share some insights in there versus, you know, whatever they're going ahead there. Now, sharing links, you know, something that we typically use and do through instant messaging or email 
Uh, that's what social bookmarks are for, right? If you want to build an essential list of links that you work with, I have got coming closer to 7,000 links on my internal bookmarks. And that basically gives me an opportunity to say that if someone is looking for something, they can go and, and, and self-service themselves, right? And do it themselves. So <clears throat> basically the whole thing is it, it, turning around into, you know, build a collaboration tool suite for you on the social software tool suite of three to five tools. And then those are the ones that you spend most of the time in, but not just yourself, the people that you collaborate with, right? So... Uh, if if your crowd is on Twitter, be on Twitter. If your crowd is is blogging, go ahead and blog. If your crowd prefers to build content around a wiki, go and build up that wiki. Right. The the interesting thing from from this whole movement, it has been basically to demonstrate how email is the only game in town. Right. Is is just one other option, and as one other option, in some cases, it will have to fight its space with other much more powerful collaboration tools. Yeah, so Louis, it's, uh, it's John. I just had a question. When, when, when you talk about all this stuff, do you, do you really think of these in terms of tools? Or, or do you think this is just where I go to do stuff? And, and like, how much do you consciously think of right, microblogging and a wiki and blog? And, or is it more, well, this is just the place right. I go to to do what I need to do? Right. Well, I don't, I don't think about tools. Um, and, and most people who know me know this, that I don't talk about tools and I don't, typically advocate about tools. What I do is I, I think about behaviors and, and habits. And what I do is I focus on that habit and I focus on that behavior, not from, not from the perspective of, hey, I need to do this, but it's more from the perspective, I need to do this, and therefore, how can everyone else benefit from that behavior, right? And that's what I do. It's, it's basically a lot more about bringing clarity into what I do. It's, it's you know, typically what out there on the internet has been called, you know, narrating your work or declarative living or, you know, that ambient intimacy where you have an opportunity to relate the behavior of what you're trying to do, right? So is it that the tasks at hand, that's what I really focus on. So one of the things that I have built up is, is a, a part in system where I say, you know, for this kind of interaction, this is the behavior that I want. This is the tool that will help me do that. Right, and that's the reason why, for instance, for Q and A, I do microblogging. That's for why, for more extensive development development of thoughts, I use a blog, and that's why, you know, for project status reports, I use a wiki and and everything else. Right, so it's it's building that kind of of systematic approach as to you know what kind of behaviors do I want to encourage, and what do I want people to do with the knowledge that I generate afterwards. Right, I cannot do that on email because you know it doesn't give me that transparency, it doesn't give me that visibility. It's, email is very political. Um, whether we like it or not, people use it very political. And, and certainly, you know, in these conversations that we had, that I had over the last week, um, it seems to be that people, uh, you know, still want to rely on email because it's the perfect way to cover their ass. And I keep saying to people, well, if you have to cover your ass with your colleagues and your manager, you are definitely with the wrong colleagues and on the wrong job. That's, that's what it is. It's all about the behavior itself. And Luis, in, in terms of that prescriptive list of telling other people how to collaborate with you, is, is that something you've documented externally anywhere on a blog or anything? Yeah, actually, just recently on our blog post, I put, to, I put together you know, one of the, the, the progress reports blog posts. I put together a mind map um, where it relates the whole story behind us, you know, three, very, three different things, right, which was, you know, why did I start it? How do I do it? And what benefits I'm getting about out of it? And then there's another part of the mind map where I show um, as well tips that people can use to reduce their email clutter, right? And and obviously on that same post where I put together that mind map, uh, and we probably can share that on the show notes, uh, I have put as well together a recording of a recent of a recent customer event that I did exactly on this very same topic, where I have explained extensively the mind map and what's behind the mind map and the overall experience. That would be tremendous. We'll make sure we include that in the show notes. That's great. Okay, thank you, Louis. Yeah, and and just moving on, uh, last week was obviously NL Lug. Uh, I attended, I think, the only person on this call who was there. We had a, a podcast, obviously, from NL Lug, which was a little bit chaotic, but hopefully people enjoyed that. Um, it was a tremendous event, uh, and I recommend anybody in, in mainland Europe, particularly uh, next year, to make sure you get to NL Lug. It's kind of... Um, Jump the shark in terms of, of no longer being just a user group. It most definitely is an event in the same way as iLug and some of the others are now in terms of being great speakers um, and an awesome location. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous place to go for a conference. So, uh, Darren, we're looking for you to attend and speak next year. 
oh, I don't know. That, that might mean I'd have to get my red passport out and dust it off instead of my blue passport. <laughs> yes. Um, it was at a, a very interesting location, I hear. It was the Amsterdam Arena where Ajax play, and the uh, keynote was uh, given by Chris Reckling, uh, standing on the touchline, speaking to us in the seats <laughs> in the stadium, which was a most bizarre uh, experience in terms of there being this huge 70,000-seat arena and 400 or so of us attendees sat there looking out on the pitch. But uh, it's certainly very atmospheric, no doubt about that. Um, it, it, make, it reminds me of maybe a Hartlepool United football game. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, if anybody's interested, there are loads of um, tweets and twit pics and stuff on Flickr. Just search for NLLUG. Uh, it's an amazing event. I do recommend people get along to that if they possibly can next year. Um, just wrapping up, Darren, I think you've changed your mobile phone. Is that why you've got an Android now? I do. I eventually got one. Um, and while I have many, many issues with Google, if you don't believe me, just rewind the podcast and listen. <laughs> um, I will say they built a phenomenal phone. Um, which going model from is it you have? Uh, I've got the, the, the Sprint Epic, which is a Samsung Galaxy S, which is the brand new 4G uh, Sprint phone. The Galaxy S is the, like the Verizon Infinity or something like that. I can't remember. All, all, of the, all of the phone vendors have one. Mine has a keyboard, a full real keyboard that slides out. And I will say, while I don't necessarily like the keyboard, I'm, I like the BlackBerry keyboard a lot better. I, I now can browse the web from a phone. <laughs> it is nothing short of phenomenal what they did with the, the phone to build an OS like this. I've, ne I've never used an, I've never seen an iPhone, so I've never used one. Um, but if this is what it's like, then I can only say BlackBerry cannot be long for this world if they don't do something really radical pretty quick. Interesting. I think you've just given us our title for this week's podcast. So going around the table, what mobile devices do you carry? John, do you want to start us? Uh, yeah, iPhone 3GS. Excellent. Luis? IPhone, iPhone 3G waiting for the 4G that is not yet in stock where I live. You know, that's one of the disadvantages of living where I live. And but Bill? I'm looking forward to the 4G. Excellent. And Bilal, what do you carry? It's a BlackBerry. I love my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll have to see when you move on from that. And who has iPads here? I think, Luis, you have one? Yeah, I do. And, and how are you finding it? Is it the game changer we're all talking about? It is. It is. And, you know, people would say whatever the crap they want, it is. If you don't have one, you're missing out on the whole world. It's, it's a, such a tremendous shift on how I interact with the web. You know, one of the things that I'm really grateful about about the iPad is that I feel healthy about it because I'm not sitting in the computer by far as long as I used to. So my wrists are in better shape now. My back is in better shape and I get to move around the house. It gets me plenty of exercise and it still gives me that sense of being connected with everyone else. It's terrific. We, we, the, 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 it's totally transformed how I browse. I mean, when having having used the iPad at home to browse the web, and then if I switch back to like even a MacBook Air, it just feels horrible and clunky having used an iPad. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it is. So I'm, I'm sure Apple are about to change their marketing to buy an i buy an iPad and cure all your health woes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lewis sold a couple of them right now. <laughs> Okay, so that brings no, us. Yeah. That brings us on to no, our tips. To yeah, that brings on that brings us on to our tips, which is how we end every episode of this week in Lotus. We go around the table and just ask everyone for a tip. It could be a site, an event, a, a way of using a product that, that perhaps our listeners would be interested in. So, Luis, uh, what we just discussed kind of brings us on to, to yours. So, what's your tip for this week? Well, my, my tip is that, you know, I, I, I've been very vocal about the fact that I own an iPad and I have been enjoying it and I have got a whole bunch of applications. So over in Twitter, there are plenty of people who keep asking, you know, what iPad applications do you recommend and everything else. So over there, um, a few weeks ago, I opened up um, a hashtag, which is Elsewhere Apps, where I keep sharing um, a daily, a daily a daily recommendation, right, a daily tip of one application that I use quite regularly uh, and that includes as well every Friday at uh, the game of the week so I share as well not just the applications but also uh, a game that people can play with because you know some of them are 
tremendously engaging and the graphics and music and everything else is just beautiful. But since Twitter does a pretty bad job of keeping their history and archives available to everyone, um, every week I create one or two blog posts on my blog, which is the tip of going under the tag elsewhere apps, where people can find those five recommendations that I do for the week. And then uh, so whenever someone asks me, you know, what are your favorite apps, I just basically point people to those. Great. I think that's really useful. And as an iPad owner, I've been following quite a lot of your tips in the last <laughs> few weeks. So thank you. Keep that up, Luis. And John, what's your you. tip for us? So my, my tip's product related. And uh, this is a tip I gave a connections client after just finishing you know, a, a couple of months worth of consultancy. And he said that this tip was worth all the consultancy added together. So I don't know what that says about the consultancy or the tip. It's just as a way of searching and using tags in connections. If you do a, a free search, uh, say you're looking for you know, Domino or Expertise or something like that, and then actually use the tags on the sidebar to then refine your search, um, it's a much uh, easier way to actually get to the piece of content you're looking for. So you use free search to get an initial list, and it might return two, 300 entries. But then using the tags on the side to actually refine that search, um, it's amazing how quickly you can actually get to what you need to find. Great. Thank you, John. And something my customers regularly don't notice, actually, the users that use connections. Over on the right-hand side, you can also refine by date. Which, which isn't something that kind of crops up very often, but again, is a great way to refine the, um, the, the search results just to the last month or last year, whatever. So, um, so great. Thank you for that, John. And uh, Bilal, what's your tip? Um, it's a little bit of a promo associated with my new gig, you know, and I, I think it benefits the community. It's, uh, it's, it's about the Lotus Developer Summit that we're hosting uh, throughout the world. Uh, we also have a virtual event uh, set up. It's free. And I invite folks to check it out. I think if you search on Google for Lotus Developer Summit, it should pop up. Otherwise, there's a bit.ly link uh, customized. Basically, it's Lotus Dev Summit, um, which is basically a technical workshop to help developers like, you know, like the folks on the call uh, listening into the podcast basically take advantage of it. So it's a free uh, uh, workshop from IBM and, it's, um, and, the, and I think it's in the right direction for IBM and, and to encourage investment to the space and attract the new developer base. So I highly encourage folks to register uh, as soon as possible because um, at the innovation centers, the, the space is limited. So um, I would advise that, you know, you get up there and you sign up ASAP. It's free. Thank Brilliant. you. <laughs> and we'll have, that, <laughs> we'll have that link in the show notes. And, and Darren, um, that brings us back to the discussions we had at the beginning of this week in Lotus sort of a couple of months ago in terms of the future of, of Lotus development. It's great to see IBM is putting the investment in to, to get more developers in, isn't it? It is, and on, on the schedule for this week, but hasn't made it, but needs a show of its own, is the actual XPages extension library that IBM have just released on OpenNTF. Um, it's now possible to build a one UI Lotus Domino X Pages app in five minutes instead of what used to be maybe five days of bashing your head against the wall. So it's it's really starting to come come alive. The X Pages stuff that IBM are doing is is nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, we need a full show on this, but at least go out and look at OpenNTF on the X Pages library. Great. Okay, we'll make sure we cover that in more detail in future weeks. And what's your tip, Darren? Um, so I think the 23rd, which I think is next Thursday, I think. I always forget what days these things are. On the 23rd of September, um, Lugnut is going to be on. And Lugnut is the Lotus user group for um, Nashville and Upper Tennessee, which has one of the best names of any Lugnut <laughs> I've seen. Um, that's, that's going to be on the 23rd, and it's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. And the Ed Brill and the Art Fontaine, who between them, uh, control pretty much everything to do with Notes Domino from a product management, either on the messaging side for Ed or from the development side for Art. So they are coming to Lugnut to give you a presentation and probably I would expect to see a smidgen of Vulcan in that presentation too. So if you are anywhere near Nashville, Tennessee, or even if you're not, you may want to come along uh, because it's, it, it, you know, usually you've got to go to a really, really big event to see these two guys, both of whom are uh, pretty famous in, in this world. And you can get more details and register on the events page at STS's site, and that'll be in the show notes. Okay, tremendous. Thank you, Darren. And, 
Uh, following on from uh, Luis's tips, um, my tips are both iPad related this week. I adore my iPad and can go anywhere without it. But I'm starting to try and make much more use of it for actually doing my daily job as well as just browsing and doing email and so on. And there's a couple of things that I've been using a lot lately. Um, one is Goodreader, which is, I think, a free app that allows you to um, carry around and view PDFs very easily on your device. So it makes a great way of presenting docs to people, um, just carrying around your reference information with you. It's a really good one to have. Um, and the other one is, is one that I've just seen um, available today. I think it's been around for a week or so, but is now being touted by SlideShare, which is an app they've developed uh, with a partner called Slide by Slide, which allows you to view SlideShare um, presentations live on your iPad, allows you to flick through them and search and, and do all those kind of things, which again is a, is a great way of getting to those presentations when you're out and about. So then my two tips, I'll make sure they're in the uh, show notes as well as everything else we've discussed this week. So I think we're done. I think we've hit our hour as usual. So thank you so much to everybody who's taken part. I hope you've enjoyed listening. We'll go around the table one more time just to ask people how do they get hold of you, what's your blog or your Twitter ID, and so on. So, Luis, how about you start us? How do people find you? Uh, the easiest way is Twitter. Where my, my handle there is Elsua, E-L-S-U-A. That's where you can find me there. And if you have got a little bit something lengthier than that, and the lengthier than the 140 characters, my blog on the About page. Tremendous. And that's elsua.net, E-L-S-U-A slash about. That's great. And Thank that's you, it. Luis. And John, how do people find you? Uh, the best way is my Twitter handle as well, which is John Mel, uh, no H and John, J-O-N-M-E-L-L. Terrific. Okay. And uh, Bilal, how do people find you? Same as everyone. Twitter would be first preference and then my blog. And Twitter ID is B-I-L-A-L, Jaffrey, J-A-F-F. E-R-Y, and the blog is blog.ca. Terrific. Thanks. Thank you very much, and thanks for joining us early in the morning where you are. And Darren, how do people track you down? Blog.darrenduke.net and Darren Duke, all one word, on Twitter. Okay, and for me, uh, Twitter is definitely the preferred option. Stuart McIntyre, S-T-U-A-R-T-M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. Thank you so much to everybody once again for taking part. I hope you enjoyed this week in Lotus this week. So until next Friday, uh, have a great week. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer.